shit, I had an opening ready. Oh, what was it? <laughs> I like the opening where we leave with mastication. That was pretty nice. <laughs> oh, man, I had an opening ready. I can't remember what it was. Hey, guys, welcome back to the last Blockbuster podcast. Number one podcast on the planet for all your DC Extended Universe news and headlines. Delivering those quality intros time and time again that you all love. Oh, I, okay, I remember it now. Oh, okay. All right. I'm going to start over. Run it back. <clears throat> Coming back, it wasn't the airplanes, it was the podcast that <laughs> killed the beast. <laughs> alright, alright, I like this. All that fuss for nothing. Run the intro again. <laughs> but yeah, we are uh, the last Blockbuster podcast back after a hiatus, and then a not hiatus, and then schedules aren't really our thing. Nah. I don't think. Nah. Neither are hot takes on movies. That's not really our thing either. <laughs> I don't know. I think we, I think we got. I think the the second one we're talking about. I actually think we're kind of in a minority on it. Really? You think so? Uh, from what I'm gathering, like. Oh, okay. Well, I guess we'll get to that later. But I feel like we're actually kind of. Well, we'll talk about that later. First, we gotta just clean house, everybody. There was a movie that came out a couple weeks ago. Most important movie of the year. The movie that we need. Right now, Zack Snyder's Justice League was finally released on Hibbo Max. <clears throat> and we are obligated to talk about it. Proof that God exists and he does, in fact, love us. There's actually, I can see Zack Snyder standing in the corner and he has a gun pointed to my head. And if we don't talk about this, he will shoot me in the head. And then, please do it. <laughs> Oh, boy. What did we think about the Snyder Cut? <laughs> but, well, actually, hold on, hold on. Let's get yeah. this out of the way. Do we even want to call this the Snyder Cut? Because they have not called it the Snyder Cut. They they rebranded it. Do we think that it even qualifies as the Snyder Cut? I don't think so, because... I'm I, saying no. I The whole... Oh, what's his name? Uh, are you guys familiar with the YouTuber Folding Ideas? Yeah, oh, yeah. Um, He had a great video... A couple of years ago now, about I just watched it yesterday. Yeah, yeah, and he mentions in it yeah. how the Snyder Cut is not the Snyder Cut because people kept demanding for the Snyder Cut to be released, and what what I kept hearing people say, and they were right, was the Snyder Cut doesn't exist because Zack Snyder didn't make a movie and then WB came and stomped on him and destroyed his ideas and everything. You know, his fucking daughter died, and he wanted to leave because he wanted to have time to mourn. That's very understandable. And then Joss Whedon, problems mm-hmm. accompanying him, be they may, like Joss Whedon didn't step in to like intentionally destroy the the original cut of the film. The original cut doesn't exist because you don't. I don't. I don't know anything about movies or anything about movie making, but you don't. There was like tons of special effects shots that never finished. Yeah, it wasn't a finished movie. Yeah, they didn't like chop it up. They just didn't make the movie. I'm saying more on the level of, like, even as it's released now, there's still so much in it that wouldn't have been in that original version that it just feels like it, it, it almost feels... I don't, I'm trying to word this in a way that doesn't sound, like, mean, but it's almost like he took advantage of the, what he was given to kind of um, adding the chapters, adding that epilogue. You know all that all that stuff. It just right. it felt like you're not even doing what you set out to do anymore. Yeah, and there's so a couple and, scenes in this too that I oh sorry I was just gonna say I think there's a couple scenes in this too that I feel were 
Joss Whedon scenes, by the way they are written, by the way they are filmed, I feel like they were scenes from his version that at least had his his script work in it. According to like contrablegations and things like that, nothing that Joss shot was used in this. They already had to find legal ways around like the actors, you know, coming in and reshooting stuff and releasing a, a different product. So, yeah, legally they like really weren't able to use any Joss stuff. That's interesting. So, I, I I find it hard to believe too, but that's what they're saying that they didn't I didn't use think, any of it. I do think this is interesting because I can't really think of another time where anything we've had. You know, we've had tons of director's cuts for for years about like Brazil and the extended Lord of the Rings cuts and the Blade Runner cuts and everything. Mm-hmm. We've never had something like this where they went back and they made an entire half of a movie and slapped it onto it because of fan outrage. And we can talk later about whether or not that's a good thing or a bad thing because you look at like Sonic. Something similar happened to yeah. Sonic. And that, I think, was a good thing. I think that, that was good. Um, well, but obviously the separation is that the Sonic stuff, all, the, all of the changes occurred in production. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. This is this this is DLC. Like this is a movie <laughs> yeah. that got got stuff added after release. They're um, basically yeah. They're 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 uh, they're Final Fantasy fifteen it. <laughs> yeah, Final Fantasy freaking Justice League League X two. Well, that's oh, the I- other thing is where it's like you. I mean, there are movies like you mentioned Brazil. Uh, like I mean, Apocalypse Now, like Blade Runner, like there are movies that where directors are constantly, over the span of decades, re-releasing cuts of their movie because they didn't feel like the one that was released in theaters was their version. But yeah, this is like a totally different thing because they had to sink another. I mean, they're saying like forty, fifty million into on, this, but I'm sure it was more. On the wiki, it lists the budget as seventy million. So oh, like, it does! Holy shit! Yeah. And I'm guessing, like, of course, that's not the entire production of the movie. That's just for the reshoots. No, but I mean, God, this entire film has got to be the most expensive movie ever made. Oh, because I'm I, easily three hundred million spent on the other one. And now this, it, it's just crazy. Yeah, um, yeah geez, that's almost like, like half a billion right there. Let's like, let's get into it. Cause like, I, I'm going to be totally honest with you guys. I know Chris, we watched it together and we were kind of speechless when it was over. <laughs> our, like our mental wheels were kind of just spinning. Like we, we didn't have a whole lot to say, but as the day went on, as I got home and I, I went to work the next day and I just, I kind of, it was kind of just bouncing around in my head, and I, I, I kind of, I, I enjoyed it overall. I think, I think that it's something that I'm happy exists. Whether or not I'm ever going to sit through it again, probably not. If they release it on Blu-ray, of course I'm going to buy it, right? Because <laughs> um, I'm just an idiot. But I, I think overall I enjoyed sitting through it. I appreciate that it exists. I don't know if I'm comfortable with the precedent that it might be setting. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so um, there's that. That's I, kind of where I am. I, I, I will, because I will fully say that, like, I was probably more than even anyone else prepared to just like, like this was supposed to be in in Chris's perfect world was supposed to be, <laughs> you know, the coup de gras, the final, the final desperate, you know, resistance of the current <laughs> DCEU, and I was supposed to watch it die in the greatest blaze of glory. 
like that I've ever seen where we're supposed to be just a trash heap like from 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 go um unfortunately it was not <laughs> like I did end up enjoying mm-hmm. great swaths of it um I thought I thought like the first um part was like pretty entertaining um like while he's not a character I thought that Steppenwolf was head and shoulders much more fun to look at and and when we talk about the other movie in here we'll bring up that sometimes I'm, just being fun to look at is enough um I'm going to actually say I think the I think he can qualify as a character in this movie mm-hmm. not a deep character not a good character but I think he has you understand his motivation enough where he had yeah. none in the original to qualify as a character the the base level function that a bad guy needs to be i think he actually functioned well, well enough so he kind of sorry chris go ahead oh the one thing i was just gonna bring up was one of the cool things i liked about him was the fact that he um so because one thing i'm i'm very tired of nowadays is the fact that everything apparently needs to get explained to the audience in a lot of contemporary <clears throat> media um like we don't have any more that you know, like in episode four of Star Wars, because I got to get the Star Wars reference in once in the podcast, um, <laughs> where like you know, Never Obi-Wan, seen it. Ju- Obi-Wan just says like we fought in the Clone Wars together, him and Anakin Skywalker, and that's it. They never needed to ever address the Clone Wars again. That they don't was... have a five minute mm-hmm. a five minute CGI uh, uh, flashback to them in the Clone Wars. Yeah, like that was just they can just say that, and us as the audience can accept like okay. There was a Clone Wars. They fought together. Something in the resolution that created the Empire. That's basically like what we can gather and infer from that. And I like this that like there was clearly something that happened with Steppenwolf Wolf that got him kicked. And they mentioned like yeah he like tried to like you know do a coup. He tried to do something, but whatever mm-hmm. it was like they ex- they they the characters accept that as part of their past and then deliver it to us in a manner that we we too just kind of have to go like all right he did something. Now he's trying to, you know, make amends for it, uh, and that's it. And yeah, okay. I, I personally mm-hmm. like that. It's just enough to make him function. Mm-hmm. Like, and this, you know, he's got a reason for wanting to get these mother boxes or whatever. And you know, he's just—I don't think there was any mention of that in the in the original one. Oh, him, have him like being a disgraced. Uh, yeah, and him yeah. wanting to impress <laughs> impress Darkseid, basically. Yeah, I, I kind of in this one kind of amounts to, uh, I guess you could say a, a a B list uh, <laughs> Marvel movie villain, where he's just he has just enough to be interesting, uh, so you get like you said, Chris, an idea of his motivation and everything, and it's it, like you said, it's not there in the original cut, but with him in now wanting to. Having like a real. This is the original cut. The theatrical cut. Have him having a drive (laughs) now. I think actually goes a long way because it's it's you know you you wouldn't want to say sympathetic, but you get it. Like he used to have this amazing life as this leader of this horrifying planet, and he lost that, and now he's willing to, to to do a planetary genocide to get back on him, and that kind of says a lot about him. And also, he's a big monster that they can punch. So he serves a double purpose, which is pretty fun. How do you guys feel about this? I 
Because I was thinking back on it, and it's like I was talking to somebody the other day, and they were like, yeah, well, we kind of stopped it halfway through because we realized that it was the same movie. And I was like, well, yeah, what did you expect? And it made me think it was like the plot of the movie is the same. Like, the beats are all there. But the thing about this is it has all the context and all of the little things that were cut out. It all it all makes sense. It all adds up. At least it, it, it's coherent. You know, yeah. it's like Batman versus Superman. We have now, quote, in its complete version. And a lot of that movie still doesn't make sense. But like, at least this thinking back on it, I can't think of many, many like logic jumps or anything that didn't kind of add up in the way that they did in the theatrical cut. I mean, there's little things here and there that maybe could have been left out, but I feel at least like as a whole, it's consistent and it's coherent. Well, where... there's little. <clears throat> no, go on, right? Yeah, there's little pieces here and there too that I most of my examples are are way later in the film, but for anybody who's seen the original theatrical cut, there's a, a weird subplot about that giant hovercraft that Batman has that he can't get it. To, to like work and then doesn't we does it happen in this one the too? autopilot yeah we're we're cyborg just fixes it with his with his uh cyborg powers does that happen in this version too yeah. i think it, yeah yeah was that says, in the theatrical says, cut i don't says it, he want, oh, it, it was to fly and never mind, that's a bad exa- okay, never mind that still doesn't make any sense um well <laughs> there's scenes like the well the, the the part when they first now when they first fight Steppenwolf, when they fight superman and when the mother box gets blown out of the ship, instead of just the characters being like, whoops, oh, where'd the mother box go? And then just seeing Steppenwolf yeah. fuck off back to to wherever, there's an actual like scene accompanying that. So even though the characters themselves still did a dum-dum and completely abandoned the mother box, from like a thematic element, I think it works better because it becomes, since Cyborg's dad, spoiler, ends up dying, it ends what? up becoming like that, it ends up becoming the, that the all is lost moment in the movie. So, yeah. not only do they lose the mother box, but a character loses someone they care about, that works out a lot better. And it's stuff like that. There's little, just little scenes put here and there that when you go back and you watch the theatrical cut, the flow of the movie feels weird. They They had to insert certain scenes to compensate for entire swaths of scenes that were cut out and end up making it really kind of uh, disjointed. And those things being back, they do, they, I can't think of any offhand right now, but they do make it a lot better. Well, no. Well, let me, let me give this example. Oh, go ahead, Chris. I was just, well, no, go ahead and nick that because I'm going to heel turn on this conversation. Well, like I was going to say, even just like the scene where they bring back Superman, which is like one of the worst parts of the theatrical cut, because it's like there's this whole contrived like thing where they got to drop the mother box into the water. Oh yeah! And I remember watching that and be like, "This is so stupid. This is this is some reshoot bullshit." Because I'm like, "Well, if you drop it in the water, you can just try it again." Like, <laughs> <laughs> but now the version in this, the way that it's edited and the music and everything, it's less of "Oh my god, we have one chance to do this," and it's more of the, it's more focusing on the if when we do this, you know, is this a good idea bringing Superman back? We're playing with technology that we don't know. It's coming at it from that angle more, which was a lot more interesting to me. And then you also have the part where you introduce, introduce Flash's 
time manipulation powers, which is so essential. And obviously they cut out that moment later from the movie, which to me was the best part of this whole four-hour thing. 100%. My heel turn... And they cut that out. Yeah, I I, I guess I don't really understand why they would miss out on that one. Especially that, you know, the Flash thing not only is great, like, you know, from a thematic piece, but, like, visually, that Flash thing was cool as fuck. Oh like, my god. Um, oh, the part where he says Iris? When, when the part, yeah, when he's No, like, where he rewinds time at the end. Oh, right, yeah. Um, Like, so cool. Now, my problem is that all this conversation saying that it's more coherent, that's not a boon. Like, that's not, that's not like, <laughs> something to be accoladed. You brought it back to par. Like, a coherent movie shouldn't be lauded. That should be the, like, the, like... Alright, cool, yes, it, it functions as a movie. Like, it doesn't mean that, you know, like, that's... It's, it is it is interesting to me that, like, a lot of the conversation is like, yeah, look, the movie flows better. Like, the movie is, like, you know, connected and, like, coherent. I'm like, great, we've solved step one of making a movie is to make sure it's a coherent <laughs> movie. Now, there's a lot of stuff, yeah, there's a lot of stuff in this one still that doesn't... And I don't want to... I'm not... I swear to God I'm not getting into cynicism, uh, cinema sins territory with this but there's so many plot elements (laughs) that only make sense because we know they're a movie there's like the part at the beginning where they shoot the giant Themyscirin arrow to America and Wonder Woman nabs it and she goes on that Indiana Jones adventure and Mm. it's it it was cool for the trailer because you saw it and you're like oh cool I know that that's dark side in the movie it doesn't really do anything. And and, and mm-hmm. I want to go back and I want to check out the different scenes that they added because that is definitely a scene that they could have gotten rid of because when Wonder Woman goes down there and she there's, looks... There's still a three and a half hour cut of this movie. Dude, there's still a two and a half hour cut of this movie. I there's know. easily a two and a half hour cut of this movie. <laughs> yeah, like, um, I, but we... they, when she goes down there and it's all stuff that she already knows about Darkseid and it's all stuff that she's going to explain to us in a couple scenes later. And it's all in hieroglyphs and a weird made-up language. So it's no benefit for us as an audience. And so that like that should have been mm-hmm. good. Or like you have things like uh, when the... having five scenes that are all exactly the same. That no, going no. to going to see uh, what's the, who's that guy that like dark sized little stooge? Gerard I wasn't familiar with him. Yeah, but then I wasn't like, familiar with who that was. He goes over there and he says, "Do you have the mud gatekeepers boxes? are gonna beat our ass?" He's like, "Do you have the mud boxes?" And he's like, "The parademons <laughs> have the scent," and they say that exact line like three times, and it's like, well, "Yeah." The parademon thing—that was another thing I was gonna say was, there's that scene when the parademons go to the Superman spaceship research facility in Metropolis and they kidnap some people, and when they go and they talk with the people who witnessed it. And they do that police sketch, which was one of the producer's kids' refrigerator <laughs> doodles of a parademon. And it's obviously supposed to look like Batman. Which, hmm. okay, okay, people suspecting Batman of doing a bad thing works in this universe because Batman was an asshole one movie ago. But that really doesn't go anywhere, and that's that's another thing they could have cut out. The, like the whole, oh yeah. look at this, look oh Batman's kidnapping people. 
shouldn't wouldn't Jim Gordon like bring that up to Batman and be like, "Why are you kidnapping people, Batman?" No, he throws it away. He throws away that report. Like yeah. in a trash can. We see that. Like that's that's how they treat that plot point. Remember, just... remember, remember, Mass of Phantasm when like that was the entire point of the movie, and this they're just throwing it away like it doesn't fucking matter. And which it if it doesn't matter, don't have the scene in the movie. It subverted your expectations. You just don't get it. But not to an end. <laughs> There's this this old Renaissance painting of a mustached man throwing something in the garbage. It was a reference to that. You just didn't get it. True. Um, <laughs> but with speaking about Batman, so that's my this will because we mentioned that you know Flash gets a great moment. Cyborg gets a lot of like character development. Like he goes. Yeah, from, Cyborg was the he was the one who got the most out of this. Yeah, he goes from eight total minutes of screen time to like. You know, <laughs> having the entire back end of the movie kind of um, hinge on him. Um, he was and, the heart. Yeah, and um, and the Flash. Him and Barry were kind of the heart. And Wonder Woman was pretty neutral, and Aquaman was also pretty neutral. Um, yeah, I don't necessarily say they were good or bad. I do think that one scene that was added of them discussing like their histories, like the uh, Atlantean and um, Amazonian. I thought that was pretty good, actually. Um, you have the two main homeboys of of the DC universe. You have Batman and Superman. In my opinion, being the two weakest links of the entire team. No, definitely. Um, like mm-hmm. Super Zack Snyder Superman. You know, t- you know, for the piece of shit that Joss Whedon is, and you know how <laughs> awful that movie was that he made with um the original theater cut, the actual release. It does come down to it had the o- almost the only moment in all of these movies where I looked at him and I was like, "That's Superman," um, which was yeah. you know, when he immediately stopped fighting Steppenwolf to save you know something or someone. Um, yeah, like ham fisted as fuck, but at least it's something. At least it's, it's a there. moment where you realize that like that's that's the guy. That's the guy who. It both is a loving husband and father, saves cats from trees, but also is willing to fight giant skull robots from uh, from you know taking over the planet. And like, and so mm-hmm. with that one being lost, we have once again returned to a Superman who like you know doesn't go out of his way to save people. And in fact, his treatment of of Steppenwolf at the back end of that fight was like cruel, like. Like, yeah, <laughs> like it, it, it's, you know, it, it crosses the line from like, I need to beat this thing down to like, he's like sawing off his horn with his laser vision. And I'm like, that's just, that's just cruel. Like, and you know, you know why that's in there. And like, I, I, I know we've talked about this before. I don't think I, Zack Snyder is probably, a, a, he seems like a, like a good dude. who's very passionate. I think he's a good filmmaker. He's a terrible writer, but he's a good director. Oh, you not. know, you know that shit is in there. <laughs> I'll, I'll fight you, but you know that like that scene is just in there because I want my Superman to be a badass and oh fuck I'm gonna fucking I'm gonna rip you in half. Stuff this ain't your daddy, Superman. Yeah, right. And it's like, no, is he's he's either crazy and mean when he comes back, or he's normal. And either way, he's still a dick when he comes back in this one. And, so, and like you said, it, it's 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 need it's needlessly cruel. It's needlessly cool. That would have been a great moment yeah. for him to have been, all right, Steppenwolf, we've beaten your ass. I'm going to give you one last chance to to, to, to to run off with your tail between your legs. And then Steppenwolf is going to be like, oh, no, I'm going to do this. And then they're like, okay, fine. And they cut his well, head off. 
he he's back to just being the stoic silent superman at that point yeah like all the quippy lines that were added you know in the theatrical cut yeah you know in retrospect they do kind of stick out like a sore thumb oh yeah but that was just a that character the character that he's supposed to be you know yeah, and, <laughs> yeah. and, and so when you take that out better like them like if yeah I just oh yeah have that i'm like all right fair enough um and i remember thinking I, that they were gonna go with a more a more mellow reasonable version of kind of what they did in the theatrical cut him coming back because he has a line i don't remember if it's in the theatrical cut because i've only seen that once before he mentions i've been given a second chance and i don't want to waste it and i was mm-hmm. I was watching this and thinking, oh, are they going to still do the Superman's a better guy now that he's back thing? And they don't. And I was so disappointed by that. No, because we have to, once again, let, let, let us not forget that Superman bad. That superheroes don't exist in Zack Snyder's world. You know, because yeah. we live in a dream world if, if we think that a man with all that power would be a good person. His words, not mine. Oh my um, god. And so, it's that's, that's the... That's, that's the thing. Is that's like, the whole point of that character. That's the whole point of that character is normally you would think somebody with that kind of power would be a piece of shit because usually that happens in these in these fictional stories. The whole point of him is that it doesn't happen. The it, whole it, point of him landing in Kansas and being raised by two like humble farmers, yeah, like in the middle of East people. Jesus nowhere, yeah, yeah, who like probably don't have a bad bone in their body. Like that's the point. But of course, you know this. Well. Never he mind. was raised by people that had nothing but bad bones in their body. Yeah, he was raised by a fucking sociopath in this version of the... Yeah, let the world <laughs> burn and let kids die. Those That's what his parents <laughs> literally tell him in the two previous movies. Yeah, so it's just... It's just, it, it, like... That will fundamentally, like, be, like, the structural weaknesses of this for me, where I'm just like, yeah, sure, like, I'm happy Flash got a great moment. I love Flash. Uh, I thought it was very cool. Uh, I'm glad, like... I'm glad that, you know, Cyborg was a character, even though he still looks bad. Um, <laughs> um, and then I'm glad, like, we have all this. But, like, it still comes down to that, like, on the fundamental levels on this, it's still a Zack Snyder movie, and I still yeah. hate it. Like, <laughs> um, whereas, like, I, I'll, I will definitely give this movie the I did enjoy it um, thing. I yeah, thought right. That, like, granted, there was a huge slog in the middle, um that, like, I just was like, alright, this, like, large swaths of this can go. Well, it definitely amps up as it goes. I think it gets mm-hmm. more interesting character-wise as it goes on. The The mm-hmm. momentum starts mm-hmm. going on more, and the scenes get less and less. Useless. Yeah, I'm sorry, I got a major mush mouth today. The scenes get less and less useless as they go on. Until you get to the very end, but we can talk about that in a moment. Well, and then let's also address that there is... There is the, probably the most fan servicey stapled on part of this whole thing for me is is the Martian man hunting. Hold up, before oh. we get before we get to that whole end thing, there's a, a scene earlier I wanted to ask you guys about, and it was the Wonder Woman scene because that mostly felt completely unchanged, save for one little difference that really confuses me. Um. And it being okay because you have that whole scene, which I which, even which the, scene are we referring to? The hmm. Wonder Woman. The scene? first one where she's saving okay all those people from villains and terrorist guys that I always think are supposed to be a character, but they're not. I, I remember watching that scene in yeah. theaters and thinking like, "This is fun." This no, is really we we scene. we said he was uh, 
We said he was the Snyder version of who did we say, Chris? Was it Mister Mixius Fiddling? Yeah, yeah. Oh, he got the hat. Jeez. Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah, because we couldn't him. figure out his name, so we were like, "Oh yeah, that was him." That scene in both cuts is. Uh, I remember reading like so amped because she does a thing where she's blocking all the bullets, and she's she's lifting up guys with her lasso and talking at them, and I'm like, "This is great. This is cool. This is this is like classic like Linda Carter style." Wonder Woman, she's saving people. She's whooping bad guys' asses. But then you get to the end of that scene in this cut where you've got one guy left and she's got a gun trained on him. Now, mind you, we've already established in this scene that Wonder Woman is not only fast enough to block bullets, but fast enough to block bullets while she's, like, moving horizontally. And instead of just blocking the guy's bullets and, like, hitting him in the face and saying something cute, she does that weird Kamehameha attack that she can do in these movies when she hits her things together. And she ends up blowing up <laughs> half this museum, showering the streets below, the streets full of cops and pedestrians with giant chunks of of concrete potentially killing people. I, it was such an obnoxious way to end that scene. And it was so frustrating because they were right there. They could have had this really great scene in a cut that's supposed to be better, and well, they kind of squandered well, you it. You gotta remember, superheroes aren't good people. Like that's that's the. But even in the of... series, she's supposed to be the one exception of that. Not in Zack Snyder's world. Ah, why? Yeah. It's so dumb. In Patty Jenkins' world, yes, she's nice. But in Zack Snyder's world, she's yeah, she's still compassion still cool. and empathy is chick stuff, man. That's that. That's that. Yeah. That's that gay shit. <laughs> I can see him doodling in his room. That's gay shit. No. My Wonder Woman is not gonna in my movie. My Wonder Woman's gonna potentially well, and, kill and, and, people. And like you know, we've said it a lot, and you know, we'll continue saying it. But like you know, like the fundamental flaw with him is that he wants to make stuff look cool, and that's fine sure. when you're making three hundred. Um, because three hundred yes, as a concept only needs to look cool. There is nothing yeah. else that, that thing needs to do. Um, or like something like Sucker Punch, where like the visuals are the story. Yeah, the only problem is Sucker Punch also sucked ass. But um, <laughs> I will fight you. I will do. I will be more than happy to go to bat against Sucker Punch. All right. Sucker be- Punch is not a movie. It's a movie I genuinely love, but I will never fight anybody over it. Um, it's not worth yeah. it. But um, but I mean, we we've brought this up a lot. I don't know if we have. I think we have in the previous pods, but at least in person, I know we have. Is the fact that, like, you know, you, you have him routinely miss the mark on stuff like that. You know, as we mentioned, Superman's returned to the same, same awful. Because, you know, once again, we need to remember that, like, Zack Snyder's third movie was going to be, was going to be a dumpster fire. Like, let's not forget that. Like, where people are like, let's give Snyder back the reins. And I'm like, are you are talking you, about this movie? Yeah, so, no, okay. oh, I guess technically fourth movie then. Like, you know, in the, in the Justice League trilogy that would start oh, with Dawn okay. of, the second part you're saying yeah, yeah exactly so because once again this movie was supposed to happen and we were supposed to get evil superman um with dark side mm-hmm. like that's what we were supposed to get and um it, it's routinely snyder missing the mark where um what i was gonna bring up was like watchmen all right all the characters watchmen look cool and that's kind of a problem um right okay is is like see i I feel like there's a distinction that we should make, though, because I think that with Watchmen, I think it is a case of him missing the mark because I think it's him legitimately missing the point of the material. But I think with 
with this, it was him deliberately, like he knew, you know, that he was going to subvert all these characters in a way that was not going to be faithful to like their original, you know, and their true incarnations. So I I'm, think that there's actually kind see, of a distinction there. See, but mm. in a lot of his interviews and stuff like that, I would, because I, I agree that, you know, he has made statements that like, you know, these are intentional, but at the same time, he he's, I guess my problem with it then is he's, he's very coy about it because like, you know, when, when people, when people brought up to him that, you know, Batman is like murdering in droves in uh, Batman v Superman, like he's like, he, and I quote said, like, I tried to do it in a technical level where like you don't see him actually physically kill the guy. You only see him light up a car on yeah, fire that five people were in and then run it over and then shoot well, missile that like, one and then grab that one and throw it 20 feet into a wall. Like, if he stabbed the guy in, a, in the throat, he didn't technically stab him in the throat with his own hands. It was the blade that Yeah, stabbed it was him the knife. The yeah. That's some real... Some real... He didn't, he didn't you know, murder that. on death row, legal defense... Yeah. <laughs> argumentation he there. Did, he didn't. He didn't. That shoot, does not make sense. He didn't shoot that one guy with the, who had a flamethrower. He didn't kick that live grenade into two people. <laughs> like, um, well, like with, with Watchmen, that was I the think, air and but, gravity. No, but so, I think Watchmen kind of. Sorry, Chris. What? I was just gonna finish up with like. And yeah. yeah, I agree that like th- there is a more intentioned change in this, but it like either way is an example of him like fundamentally like misunderstanding what made these things cool like he has a very superficial level of like cool like what is cool punching bad guys eating ass like you know stuff like <laughs> Which, that let's be clear those are both very cool yeah, very cool yeah, but it's not necessarily are... superman boasts about yeah um but um you know he's he's just like his his, his super his like yeah his like what's cool to him is very surface level, and then like he's like, right. then he's like, oh, and look at this Jesus allegory through it. And I'm like, all right, is your Jesus allegory <laughs> any more skin deep than the fact that he struck a pose? Like Jesus was purported to be a cool dude. Like Superman is anything but a cool dude. Like, yeah, is this supposed is this supposed to go any deeper than that? Like, <laughs> yeah, because the the Jesus like I I kind of feel Jesus allegory things in most fictions are shitty are super shitty and dumb because it's such a, a weak, um, I don't want to say like a, like a, like a guaranteed, I'm trying to think of how I'll say it. It's a gimme. It's a gimme. Absolutely. Yeah. It, it's in, it's in, a in guarantee the... that your, your shit's about to tip over into the potential meter. Yeah. Well, no, no, pretty no, no. Far. That, that, of course, that, that definitely, but I meant like, I, I, I feel like, you when people do it especially in film being a visual medium when people use jesus allegories i feel like it is it's such a a ham-fisted way at trying to garner discussion and and respect Hmm. what i don't think anybody anymore really looks at it like that because like you said chris it the, the jesus christ was supposed to be he's He's a compassionate person. He was there to take care of people, to enlighten them. And that's the stuff that Superman does. But if you don't key in on that stuff, it's just a surface level, I guess you could say fan service. And it doesn't get you anywhere because there's so much more to Superman than just those kinds of things. Uh, And when you gut all that stuff out, you're left with nothing. So like Jesus allegory as shorthand for important hero character doesn't work when your character's a piece of shit. 
Yeah. Yeah. And, and like, you know, Batman then, like, is just kind of so, like, 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 he feels like he's, like, like, I, I do like some of the angles they chose with him about him, like, really, well, but, <laughs> so, the problem, so, on the one hand, it's like, <laughs> I know, I'm, I, like, my brain was immediately like, alright, Chris, you had to go, like, say something complimentary about him, you gotta bed. remember this, cause, like, this part was whack about that very thing you're about to say, and I'm like, I know, brain, alright, uh, let me get the words <laughs> out, um, so, like, conceptually, I think it's cool that, like, if a Batman killed a Superman, like he basically does in this, um, right. he would feel remorse for it and would want to, you know, make amends. I think that's a cool concept. Obviously, in practice, it's like, yeah, but Superman's also kind of a dick who you shouldn't have learned anything from because he is a dick. So, yeah. like, you know, even that subplot doesn't make sense in the context of Snyder's movies. But... Like, he's so, like, hopeful he's all about faith and all that stuff. And I'm like, like, none of this shit makes sense. Like, like it's such yeah. a, it, it feels so reactive um, yeah. to, like, the previous and It ones. all happened, like, off screen at some point. Mm-hmm. And I think that Batman kind of found with, Jesus. Yeah, I kind of think that stuff with Batman, isolated in this movie alone, was kind of cool. I like the fact that you kind of saw him deal with the fact that he kind of was a piece of shit and he's trying to get back to Batman, but he also, I think they kind of pushed it too far in in, in the way they did it because he's talking about, oh, it's about faith, Alfred. I'm like, oh, okay, sure, yeah, have your leap of faith, Batman, but you're also the dude who's like, I'm gonna plan for every contingency. Isn't that why the Snyder fans love Batman? Is because he has that kind of uh, forward thinking and things like that. But it's, it's, it's completely devalued because it's not viewed isolated. It's not viewed in just this movie you've got to see it in the context of part of the series and with that it makes no sense because like you said chris he's not he really wouldn't be getting anything from this experience a month ago you were about to stab an innocent man to the fucking heart with a spear what (laughs) what what happened what was the point and here's the thing though and okay again again i have my hands up right now i i feel like i probably enjoyed this more than you guys, I think. <laughs> I think that the Zack Snyder DC Hill is the one that I'm going to end up dying on, <laughs> <laughs> and it and not like very uh, half-assedly, but <laughs> um, this is a four-hour movie. If you don't yeah. have those moments in there, there's a problem. <laughs> like, yeah. this is like. Four hours, and you don't have even those small character moments to make that stuff make sense. There's the problem. There is, from the conception, this was, again, not going to be the masterpiece that (laughs) these people thought it was going to be. Because he doesn't think about that kind of stuff. He wants the moments where the Flash is zipping around. He wants the moments where Steppenwolf is chopping heads off. He wants the moments where he can show (laughs) off how much he knows about the DC universe and mind you i love seeing i love zipping from atlantis to themyscira to gotham like i love that stuff like i was when i was at your house chris like we were drinking and like i was just watching it and i just turned to shine and i was like this is so frustrating to me because this is so Uh cool it's just i mean especially this version this exact version where it's the bridge to nowhere it's just like what a fucking waste and I feel bad because you mentioned that you think you like this a little more. I remember when it was done thinking, I I I dug that 
But mind you, I watched it in three separate sittings. Oh, yeah. It came out over the weekend, and the weekend is the worst time. I generally <clears throat> have no time, but I wanted to watch mm-hmm. it. I wanted to get it into me. And so I watched it in three different sittings. So it wasn't as extraneous as a as an experience as I know most people are are going to experience. But on top of that, like you said, if it's four hours and it doesn't have that those scenes, like what are we doing here? Because because mm-hmm. while I was watching it, I was I enjoyed it. I because you see, it's cool seeing new shit. They recorded some new special effects shots. It was cool seeing conceptually dark side. But the moment I was done with it, as it started to mill around in my brain, I remember thinking, like, what what did we really gain from this movie that's a team of, of these legendary characters with this now new four-hour cut? Like, look at something like Avengers. And, yeah, we got to talk about it in comparison to Avengers. I'm sorry. But... Mm-hmm. When that's done, there's like there's so much to that. You get you get characters have developed, their dynamics are introduced. You've got a, a new world of possibilities is opened, and it's also just a fun movie to sit your ass down and enjoy because it's superheroes smashing up shit. But with this one, I don't, I, I don't want to say like what have we learned, but it's like what did we gain by having this four hour cut. Hmm. Well, I, I think there's a lot to learn from it, but I don't think it's necessarily the oh, movie definitely. itself that is the yeah. best part of it, you know, because it's like it does kind of breed conversation about like, you know, should these directors have free reign to do whatever they want? You know, should we have these studios stepping in and, you know, and it's like, would this version of the movie perform better at the box office? No, of course not. This no. would have crashed and burned. There's we're in the year 2021, the year of our Lord, and we don't it was a big deal for fucking Endgame to be three hours long, and that was the sequel to the highest-grossing movie ever. So, what do you do? You know, this was never going to be the option. And I think it's unfair, too, because it's frustrating. I know we've talked about this before, but a director is super important. A director's vision is really important for honing in and wrangling in a film. And it's there's lots of directors that you can really see their, their handprint on it. you got Tarantino, Edgar Wright... Um, Wes Anderson, but film is still a collaborative effort, and the idea and of it's somebody... still a business. Yes, but s- someone like Snyder, who isn't the best ideas man, having complete and utter control of not just one film, not just films that are going to be the cornerstone for an entire franchise. But being the guy essentially in charge of entire franchise is not the best idea. Because you got guys like Kevin Feige. He oversaw the Marvel franchise, and mostly that was coordination and tone. But I still think like a lot of those movies still have, if not like a, a unique voice to them, they still have... They still have, like, a flavor to them. You got movies like the ones that the Russo brothers make, which I think are very different than, like, what Taika Waititi does and are very different from, like, Iron Man 3. But they all are in the same tone because they are still part of a franchise. And once again, it comes back to these things are a collaborative effort. So I don't think – I don't like the idea of 
us as a nerd culture putting somebody, especially someone like Zack Snyder, but any one creative voice when you're working on a like a production like this above anything else and above questioning because probably they're probably originally in, in the theatrical version before the tragedy with his daughter there are probably in this cut that people whether they be producers or script supervisors tried to get him to cut out for good reason and now that it's all stuck back in there and I mean, I'm glad a lot of people are enjoying it, but since a lot of people are enjoying it now, I feel like now that kind of funnels back into the discussion. Well, just let a director do whatever they want. And I can't, there's an example I was going to use, and I can't think of it right now, mm. but there's tons of examples in film history of producers or sometimes even actors talking with directors and saying, hey, we should change this scene to this. We should cut out this. We should do this differently. And the film's coming out and them being incredible. Ever heard of a of little movie film. called Star Wars? Oh, yeah. that's a great example. That's a great example. Yeah. Well, and, and I think mm-hmm. another, I think another. That's whole, kind of the example. It really, it really is. I mean, because I think there's a, I think Lucas and Snyder are like very similar in the fact that they both seem to um, really be like ideas men, um, yeah. and really understand like how to mm-hmm. make stuff look cool, but like when it comes to like, all right, but how do we iron this out into like a palatable medium? <laughs> like, you know, how do we... I, I would say? I think. I think. Lucas is a way better, not even necessarily writer, but like storyteller than yeah. than he is. Oh, yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, but... and Snyder's a way better director than a storyteller. I think yeah. they have their strengths. Yeah, certainly. absolutely. But they can't be in charge of the entire thing. And yeah. I think Carlos, you brought it up well when we were uh, when we finished watching it. Where Carlos, you were like, you know, I feel like with this, I was promised a burger and I was given like a field of wheat and a cow. And was mm-hmm. like, and you know, and like, <laughs> and like a budding guard seeds for lettuce, and like I'm like I have to make yeah. the burger because like the I was the raw basic form of ingredients were thrown on my table instead of just like something I can eat. Mm, I'm like yeah, I, I feel that way. Yeah, like, this... like I'm gonna take I'm gonna take that example and I'm gonna run with it because like. I, you know, I, I, I feel like I can relate to Zack Snyder in some ways, but like, I like to abuse myself with cinema sometimes. And so like, <laughs> no, but like, like the one movie that always comes to mind when I think about this movie is something like, like Seven Samurai. And, and he wanted to make his historical epic level superhero movie. Okay. Sure. And like me adjusting my glasses here, like, I'm like, it feels like that a little bit. But then also with all of the baggage that comes with that, it follows as well. Yeah. Because, like, to take that analogy further, like, I am the guy who, like, you know, I like to go eat a fast food burger. But sometimes if I get a free day, I'll make my own buns. I'll grind my own beef, you know. <laughs> I, I am that kind of guy sometimes. So <laughs> I can appreciate that element of it. And I think that's why I kind of walked away from it, appreciating it as a whole not necessarily as a, a movie that I would ever watch again. It's definitely a commendable. Kind of already said that, but yeah, it's definitely commendable. Yeah. The amount of work of getting the because the it's getting the the special effects team back, getting all the actors together again, and I, I think this is one of the good things that comes out of this when it comes to the discussion of film, especially these genre films, is the importance of time and freedom on special effects people to get work done. Because the effects in the theatrical cut are dog shit. 
I was <laughs> I was shocked at going back and looking how Steppenwolf looked <laughs> in that first movie. I was shocked oh. at how horrible the design is and how horrible the rendering is. But given time, they created a, a, a giant gray CGI monster who honestly looks pretty good. Honestly, looks pretty good. Like his skin textures look fine, his motions look fine, his armor looks pretty good. Mm-hmm. And and it, I know you guys are familiar with the Corridor Crew. Those guys have really helped me appreciate special effects over the past couple of years because you constantly hear when nerds talk about genre film, ah, oh, it's too many special effects. Oh, there's too much CGI. They took the easy way out. But computer rendering is not easy, man. It is hard because you gotta well, you gotta work with programs. You have to understand how how things move, how things react mm-hmm. with each other, how light works. And a lot of it takes time. And when you're not giving the amount of time, because nobody wants to make, you can write a shitty script and think it's good. You can be, I'm not saying Zack Snyder is a shitty director, but you can you be a shitty director and think you've done good work. But it's pretty, it's pretty objective whether or not you've made good or bad special effects. And a lot of that comes down to budget, which they definitely had, and time, which in the theatrical version they didn't. Mm-hmm. Well, and that's the thing is that like you were mentioning Ray about how filmmaking is a collaborative process. Yeah. And like that's that is a good thing that you can pull from this whole thing is that like all of the the praise doesn't have to go to Snyder now that this is out. Like Ray Fisher, he was a huge advocate for this movie. Yeah. And you see why now because yeah. he had nothing to do in that first movie and he's he's really good in this and he's kind of ends up being the heart of the movie. Yeah. And uh, like you mentioned, the special effects people, you know, I, from my understanding is the Steppenwolf stuff was mostly all done. And that was stuff that was in the original cut. And that's why he looked so bad in the theatrical cut, because they had to redo him. That's my understanding. Do you know why they had to redo him? I, they just didn't like the look of him. They thought he was not like uh, emotive enough. So they put more of what's his face's face in there. Oh, because if you remember, like pictures of Steppenwolf were coming out as soon as the Snyder Cut was announced, pictures of of him were coming out. He was sharing them all the time. So my understanding is that that version of him did exist. I don't know if it was 100 percent done, but that's why he looks so bad in the theatrical cut, because they were they were on a time crunch to get that done instead, to my understanding. Weird, weird, weird. Yeah, especially weird, because that seemed to me very uh, much like. They wanted to put more of his face into him, but I find that one to be less expressive. Um, yeah, which well, is... because it's you're busy looking at trying to figure out what you're looking at. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, and and I also think though that's a that's like a, a classic case of like, um, people like I feel like this happens a lot in you know like the on the producing line of things and like the stuff where they're like we got to make these things look human because otherwise people won't, like, empathize with them. And then you bring back the fact that, like, we all empathized with a bunch of fucking, like, wild cats when one of their dads died from getting run over by wildebeests. Like, you know, (laughs) we don't necessarily need things to, like, as long as they have human enough features, we can usually get by. Like, I'm glad you mentioned cats, Chris, because that's a great comparison because compare that to a bunch of Jellicles dancing. Which one would you rather look at? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) It's like... Which have a hundred percent human faces, which is part of the problem. Exactly. Yeah, like mm-hmm. you know, I think I found Steppenwolf to be like love that movie. I found Steppenwolf to be way more like I felt like I was looking at a thing in this one, even though he looked... doesn't have to be human to have emotions. Yeah, and I think I see that happen time and time again, where people are like, 
we've got to make them look more human because otherwise people won't connect with them. And I'm like, listen, Guardians of the Galaxy gave me a green man, like a green mm-hmm. woman, a, a, a raccoon, and a tree. And I was just as engrossed with all of them. And, and that's, kind of, that's kind of a thing that goes back to the collaboration thing because special effects artists they understand the uncanny value because they have to work in that <laughs> constantly so they're gonna they're gonna be the best judgments when it comes to how do we design a extraterrestrial extra extraterrestrial monster but make just it look say like an et <laughs> no that's a specific thing that's a katie perry song got an et up in this bitch but uh yeah <laughs> um they're going to understand way better of how to toe the line with the uncanny valley, whether it be making their eyes a little bigger. You know, that's something that they, that you constantly run into now in modern game design is when they have to make CGI characters, where do we toe the line between cartoony and realistic? Because most realistic renderings of characters in things like the final fantasy games, and even like the Witcher games, which are, you know, very realistic looking, the characters will still have, slightly bigger mouths, more expressive faces, bigger eyes, because they don't want to hit that uncanny valley. But a producer, and 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 also I don't want to completely shit on producers, because sometimes in the case of, like, once again, Star Wars, sometimes I kind of save the film, but producers don't work in special effects. Their thing is the marketing element. Their thing is getting the production through. Their element is not designing CGI characters. <laughs> but Speaking of yep. CGI characters, and I feel like we've been not touching this. Um, can we talk about Darcy for a moment? Well, hold on real quick. Oh, okay. I was going to end the conversation here, but I figured instead of just ending it here, after we've had a perfectly good, long, but good conversation about this movie. Oh, we can add an epilogue? Add an epilogue. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Talk for another 15 minutes. So... Yeah, well, let's talk about Dark Side. So, Dark Side, and you know, we should also probably address the epilogue because that to me was entirely garbage. Like, yeah, that was, was that awful. was such a visceral, awful. like you know, for a time with the flash stuff, <laughs> with Sorry. the with the flash stuff happening, like my brain kind of forgot what I was watching. I was like, "Wow, this is great!" And then like cynical Chris dies in that moment and he's just yeah. he's dead and buried because I'm like look at this flash shit this shit's so cool and then it's like the epilogue and all stuff and cynical Chris is you're like, like look superhero action this is great and then then the epilogue hits and cynical Chris is like <gasps> sorry I passed out for a minute there what happened like, <laughs> it ruins a lot of good faith too because that, that that whole ending is is super fun and I think a big part of what makes a lot of the action in this better is because they put in the 3 by 4 aspect ratio they pull back on it because now looking at the that the theatrical cut, you realize that a lot of it's it's like really zoomed in and you can't really see everything as well, and so the action looks a lot better and and like that scene with Barry is so great because he he goes back to that line that he has with his dad where his dad tells him you got to create your own future and then that's just literally what the Flash is doing by going back in time and it's so perfect and then they fucking killed the shit out of Steppenwolf and it's great. And then, like you said, like, yeah, the cynicism just... Wait, do you smell that? Is that a character arc you smell? Mm-hmm. Yeah, man! It's great! Yeah, and then... And then the, then the epilogue... Then the epilogue shows up, man. And... So, is was this supposed to be what the next movie was supposed to be? Yeah. Have their shit in it? Yeah. Okay. I mean, it's been building since Batman v Superman with, like... The, right, the, right. The, like, like, this is... 
like let's not get it twisted that this is the direction we were gonna go. I think, I think yeah. us cutting it now leaves us with as much uh, graces that we will be able to allot to Snyder. Um, I I'm so glad that they're not doing it too because I know there's there's a lot of DC fans who are they kind of rustled up that hashtag like bring back the Snyderverse and I. I don't. I don't want any more. Not not in the DC series because, of course, I want. I want another Wonder Woman. I want another Aquaman. Store the Snyderverse. Yeah, I want. I'm super excited about this new Suicide Squad movie. I don't want this series to continue because yeah. I'm so. I'm so sick of this dour, mopey, joyless shit. Especially the direction that this series was going to go. That was essentially Injustice. I already have Injustice. I don't need a movie. Well, and it's so. Yeah. The then. Joker with yeah. easily the worst laugh, mm-hmm. like the most oh. the 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 end, the end game um the end game Joker. We unfortunately started this trek on with with Heath Ledger, where while Heath Ledger's was great, from that point on we diverged even further and further into a not fun Joker. And by this point, we have now established like the least fun Joker of them all. Oh, his um, weird little asthma laugh you're yeah. talking about. Yeah. Oh no, Chris, Chris, Chris! This Joker talks about jerking off Batman from behind. There it is. Um, and, and yeah, it's... Zack Snyder's not an ass-eating guy. He's a reach-around guy. There it is. He's a, he's a getting fucked in prison guy. Um... <laughs> <laughs> oh god. Um, did you drop the soap, Batman? <laughs> and and it's just <laughs> like like that was all bad. But I do I do. Yeah, so that was, like, all bad. The Martian Manhunter shows up, and he was, like, the most stapled-on piece of garbage ever. Um, <laughs> I love that, too, because he asks, uh, Batman's like, hey, wait, wait, who are you? You gotta tell the fans who you are. And then he turns around, and he's like, I have been known by many names. And I'm thinking, okay, he's gonna say Jean Jones. And then he tells him, but you can call me the Martian Manhunter. And I so badly wanted Batman to ask him, "Yeah, why the fuck would I call you that? <laughs> why? But I'm a man. <laughs> yeah, I'm the well, alien. I'm a man. Baby. Well, I'm the alien you guys are baby killer. Used to call the used to call detectives manhunters, and John Jones oh, really? is a detective. So that's where that yeah, that's where that comes from. That's actually super it's, interesting. It's like, so he's yeah, a, I, I mean he's now an alien, he's an alien detective. Yeah, so that's, it's like now that you hear cool. that you hear like that you hear the 1950s yeah. speaking through it, <laughs> but. but. That's actually uh, that's, super that's, interesting. No, yeah, that, that shit doesn't matter. Whatever's, and yeah, the the whole dark side stuff was definitely the most ham-fisted fan service stuff. It was my worst fear personified. Mm-hmm. <laughs> How they handled him, and and then it's just like like Carl's and me were talking about it. I was not keen on his design. Like, no, he looks real weird. My man's lanky Kong over here. I was expecting <laughs> at some points. Like he just—he's <laughs> got these big lanky arms. Like, why? Why are you not? Because and like the lanky arm problem, even if he was proportionally correct, is solved in the most elegant way if you just do what the character does and put his arms behind his back. Like, it, it's yeah, it and does and itself. It's, you don't even need to work on it. Like, and it extends to because like I don't has Darkseid ever famously carried a weapon. Well, all right. Now I'll actually, I'll actually go to bat for that first Dark Side one, okay? Um, because I think that first Dark Side was actually kind of good, because I like that it established a Dark Side not in his prime yet. Oh, okay, you okay. You see that's him legit. on the front lines. You see him, 
you know, fighting. That wouldn't be a dark side nowadays, because the dark side nowadays would never be in the vanguard of his own thing. Because that was a couple, like, thousand years ago, right? That yeah, flashback. exactly. Um, so that would be a dark side who is, like, you know, the up-and-comer, the, the unruly one who's trying to, like, claim yeah. plants. That's and fair. He, okay. And then he catches an axe. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I actually dug that, but the established dark side is where I faded off, because I'm like... He doesn't look very imposing to me. He looks very ape-like, like I said, with, like, long, lanky arms that are, like, jutting out from the sides. And I know why they made his arms so far away from his chest. It's because of clipping issues that happen in a lot of 3D animated things. I'm aware of these things. It doesn't change oh, the that, that, it look, okay. that it looks bad. Like, because you see it all the time where the, the um, the, like, the part of the pack that starts to merge with the arm, those always clip into each other on, like, okay. stuff. And since I assume Darkseid was probably a hurried-along um, one, I have to assume that, you know, that's probably the reason why they do that. But it's just... And then his suit of armor looks busy while at the same time looking like nothing. Um, it's, like, so busy it becomes yeah. nothing. Um, and it's also, like... Snyder, I feel like, has a problem because he's like, yeah, let's give Superman armor. Let's give Darkseid armor. I'm like, Snyder, these are the two who don't need armor. Their skin is armor. Like, yeah, right. you know, if something's capable of hitting them, it's capable of breaking basically almost any piece of matter. So, like, why are we dressing them up in armor? Now, Darkseid has obviously had armor in the past, but, like, I don't know. I just don't like any part of how he looks. And I, it's, it's, it's a whole package thing, too, because... When I mentioned that it was my worst fears personified, I was really worried that he was going to be you, that that there's that DC animated movie that came out back when the new 52 came out, uh, Justice War. League War, which was oh. yeah, just a, it was a fun introduction to all the characters and the new the new timeline for the animated movies that was based on the new 52. But you had a dark side that was essentially just a giant monster for them to fight, which is fine if you're just trying to establish the characters. But if this is going to be a new series where Darkseid is going to be the big bad. The fact that he shows up and he is just a growling ape for most of the movie is so disappointing. That was something I was super excited about since we had a four-hour movie to establish all these characters. I was thinking, okay, we're going to have some shit with Darkseid. But his shit with Darkseid is him roaring smashing some shit and then getting his ass beat by a bunch of people and then leaving yeah no bueno yeah. i would like to stay it was it was zack snyder reminding you that he's still on his old his old bullshit yeah like you got your four-hour movie but remember this is where it was going yeah oh. i caramba but we have anything else to say about this thing that's finally out and probably we don't have to ever talk about again? Oh, yeah, probably, I'll never, but... listen, I'll never stop making rude comments about this. <laughs> let's let's watch the black and white version and then come back and do another episode. Oh yes, because that's the thing. This watch the fan made cut that would be on YouTube where it like splices the movie into exactly what needs to be. Yep. Oh man, that's that's just the. Ugh. That's the most frustrating part to me is that it's, it feels like it's still not done, but it never will be done. Yeah, you know what is done? Is the MonsterVerse done? I hope it not. It sounds like it sounds like they're not really gonna unless this like makes a shit ton of money, which it sounds like it probably will. 
they're like, yeah, we're just going to wait to see what happens. Hmm. Oh, thank now, now, thanks, now, guys, now, for following my segue. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Now we're talking about a fun <laughs> movie. Uh, yeah. I hope, I actually hope that it's not done. I would like them to try and do another Godzilla movie. Um, yeah, for anybody who hasn't followed it, we're talking about uh, Godzilla vs. Kong. Uh, the second <laughs> movie that came out on H on HBO Max that I act that once again I walked into fully expecting to hate and I came out with being like you know what all right this one much better though than the other see <laughs> I uh, I was not I was not thinking I was gonna hate this movie no, I woke up early the day it came out I got breakfast made and I went to Cheyenne and I was like, guess what we're doing today? And we just sat in bed and we watched it. We were going to go see it in theaters, but we ended up just watching it at home. And, um, I don't know. It was exactly what I wanted it to be. It's, I had a fucking it, blast. It's exactly what it needs to be. You want to talk about a movie that guts its fat? Sorry, cuts its yes. fat. Yes. This movie. This movie is no fat. It is just, it's enough setup and it's the payoff. And that's it. It's... I remember sitting down because I got home. I got home from work at about uh, two on on Wednesday, and I remember, oh shit, Godzilla versus Kong Town. I stayed up till six o'clock watching it, and I'm like, this is uh, great because I was kind of, I was like in that dream state where I'm like, is this really happening? And mm-hmm. yeah, I I um I was I was hyped for it. I didn't know what to expect, but yeah, completely yeah. complete complete blast. Now, why I wasn't for this okay was i'm that, interested here was no trailer was going to dissuade me on my on my thought process there was nothing anything could tell me i was basically entirely believing that we in the west would just eternally miss what made fun godzilla fun because oh you know, okay there's two there's two lines of godzilla you know there's the original and shin godzilla which are using using godzilla you know as social commentary um, yeah right, and I knew we were never getting that one because most of the social commentary that Godzilla embodies, we were kind of the reason this happened. <laughs> yeah like, right. <laughs> <laughs> the villains, the the, the 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 villains in Shin Godzilla are less Godzilla, and they more kind of turn out to be the Americans. <laughs> yeah, uh, or you know, Godzilla is is you know thermonuclear war who were the ones who wrote the book on that one it was us when we knew when we dropped two bombs on them um yeah so, so we ain't never touching that yeah, <laughs> when so, it comes to american godzilla yeah so i knew we wouldn't and the last like three movies for me that were in these monsterverse with godzilla king of the monsters and king kong um on skull island all three of them did the exact same thing in my opinion of um they were like they were straddling that line between, like, wanting to go full... Because, like, Godzilla is simultaneously that social commentary, and also Godzilla Final Wars, where it's people in rubber suits thro- throwing <laughs> hands. Um, yeah. And, yeah. And grabbing yeah. spiders by their silk and tossing them into space and, like, you know, <laughs> stuff like that. Chris, and, you know, Chris, you know in a real fight it's all about killing, right? Yeah, there it is. <laughs> um... <laughs> um and and so it's like I, I just I just had no faith in our ability in the West to nail that stupid brand of Godzilla. Mm-hmm. The, like I just so there was no trailer, there was no nothing that could get me to think that way because I was just like I've seen two times like what grades a good Godzilla movie or a good monster movie in my opinion is would I watch it through again? Um, mm-hmm. 
because, like, Godzilla, the the original American, the one, what is it, the 2014, is that yes. it? Yeah. yeah. 2014 yeah, Godzilla. Like I'll never watch it again. I know exactly the scenes I would ever watch again, which, <laughs> which, which are the, you know, the Godzilla fight scenes. I will watch those on YouTube, and I will never watch that movie again. King of the Monsters, I know exactly what scenes I'm going to watch. Kong, I know exactly the scenes I'm going to watch. So those are all bad ones, because I'm like, everything else is so humdrum boring that all I want is the monster fighting. Now, in this movie, the human shit is fucking hilarious, because it's all conspiracy <laughs> theory stupid bullshit. That was my favorite thing about this movie, is the fact that they live in a world where, like, every wacko, QAnon, weird, backwards, flat-earth conspiracy thing is, like, <laughs> real! Yeah, I was so, I was actually kind of hoping two things I was waiting movie. for a moment... Sorry, go ahead. That Kong was going to throw Godzilla off the side of the earth. I, you know, I was I was waiting for like them to establish that the flat earth was real and or there's that part where in, oh, what's his name, Bernie, when he talks about how uh, lizard people build all their facilities the same. I was hoping so badly oh. that when they ran and when they met with the bad guys, like uh, Millie Bobby Brown was going to like punch one and his like face was going to come off and it was going to be established that they were aliens like in the old, oh King, my the old God, Godzilla. That would have been amazing. And it would have worked because this movie goes on hole into just silly bullshit. There's a moment, the moment that I texted you guys saying this movie is fucking wild. There's a moment in this movie, kids, where they take Star Wars ships through a giant hole into the center of the earth. They follow King Kong swinging like an ape through this underground tunnel. And then they go through a, like a fucking stargate and they end up in the middle of the earth. They end up in the middle of the earth where there's a giant gorilla kingdom that exists. And that was the moment where I realized this they know they know what they're doing, and honestly, I'm gonna back up a little, Chris. I actually, I I, I know I've talked about this. I really love Kong Skull Island for the exact same reasons that it, it yeah, is. Yeah, I'm Chris. I'm surprised you're saying that. I, it, I feel that Kong it, is a really it fun. It didn't hit me that way. I know a lot of people have said that, but for me, it it, it hit me in like. Well, we want to do Peter Jackson's one because that one was received, but oh, we also yeah, want to do that at all. Yeah, I didn't I feel that like, way okay. at all about maybe, it. Maybe I'm just misremembering it then. Cause yeah, because it, it's, it's super campy. It's got a very a very vibrant look to it. Uh, it's got a lot of energy, and you got characters like like John C. Riley. Like, he's, he's like the heart and the comic relief of that movie, and I think that kind of drives home why I like that is because it doesn't take itself super seriously because it's about a giant gorilla fighting monsters and the, the 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 flora and fauna on that island and they even though i don't know i know it's not the same director and i know it's not the same writers but like they kind of channel mm-hmm. that energy into this because this is such a goofy fucking movie with with no no weight or or i don't want to say stakes necessarily but there's no sort of seriousness taken in with the fact that these two guys essentially wipe out most of Hong Kong. <laughs> I know it's so crazy with like people in it, like like they yeah, like, yeah. Anime, like people there. Like it's not like the classic like. But oh, like we evacuated. that's how these things, that's how these things work. Like cities get destroyed. There's tons of collateral damage. That's just like that's what these movies are. Yeah, you know, it's like that's what you come to see. And um, you got you, got you guys. Like... Oh, sorry. I was just going to say, do you guys watch Movie Bob? Oh, yes. Um, I'm a huge he fan has of a, Yeah, he's got that four and a half hour um, dissection of Batman versus Superman. And I've, watched whole, like, I've watched like five times in my life. So good. It's so good. Um, 
the thing I love about Movie Bob is that he's just like a mad rambling man. That's like the <laughs> he needs to get he needs to get better audio equipment, but he's oh, yeah. just like a mad rambling man. And he his whole dissection of Batman versus Superman. Sorry to bring it back to the DC extended ah. universe. Um, I was just feeling a little uncomfortable not having returned to it in ten minutes, of but um, his whole thing comes down to. It doesn't matter how bad this movie is. It doesn't matter how incoherent it is. If it delivered on the spectacle, people would remember it for that reason. Oh, and it wouldn't okay. be remembered with such animosity, right? Yeah. So Godzilla vs. Kong, again, the human stuff, blah, 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 blah. Does it deliver on the spectacle? Yes. Not very much. That, yeah, and that... that's that's something that I can't really say for any of the other movies I don't think Kong was going for the same kind of spectacle. No, not the really. The first Kong movie. It's like a, it's um, like a classic monster movie, but with better yeah. special effects. It's just kind of a different thing than the other two Godzillas were trying to do. But like, as far as like the spectacle goes, like this, oh my god, it's just so delivers it. And I'm setting, so setting sad I didn't see this in audience. The setting between uh, the fight with Kong and Godzilla being like all neon lit. Like, oh. Yeah. Oh. That was that good stuff, and uh, yeah, it's like Blade Runner, but you have two giant, a monkey and a giant lizard. It's staring also staring yeah, at each other. The neon light thing, like it's also like a surprisingly, just fun movie to look at. Like that was my biggest thing with with, not my biggest thing, but one of the things about Godzilla twenty fourteen is that it's just kind of drab looking, even though you've got this giant monster in it. But this one is it's very colorful, it's bright. They. Godzilla looks way different in this than he's looked in the previous two. I feel like yeah. he's way more expressive, but he's also, I think, a lot more fun to look at in this one. I like how they. Well, uh... I think that part of the. Oh, go ahead, Chris. No, I was gonna. I was just gonna say. I I agree because like, I was expecting him to give like the the like bro to bro nod to like um <laughs> Kong when when they've wrapped up murdering spoiler Mecha Godzilla, which I called before when this movie was announced. I called Mecha Godzilla. Yeah, like, yeah. Before. There are those shots in the trailers that everybody thought was Mecha Godzilla, and they were a hundred percent right. Yeah, surprise. Yeah, and but then... what I was gonna say. Go on. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. Um, well, it's just part of the reason that I think that, like, I like the 2014 Godzilla for what it is. Um, but I think after I saw Shin Godzilla, it kind of soured my look, my, like, viewpoint on that movie a little bit. Because I think right. Shin Godzilla does what that's doing a lot better. Um, but they, um, Toho actually has a clause that they don't want their Godzilla emoting. Really? It's kind of weird. Yeah, they don't want Godzilla to be shown like as like a character. They want Godzilla to be preserved as a force of nature. It probably has to do with the fact that the character has like a his, you know, a history as like or you know, their response to like what happened with the nuclear bomb and stuff. I don't know. Mm. I I would argue that it I feel like that's not the case for most of the movies, but No. It's a it's a thing. Yeah. Interesting though. Yeah. Um but they they did a smart thing by having like you want the monsters to be on screen for a majority of the movie, but they can't always be fighting. So they had Kong kind of be the main focus more than Godzilla, and oh, whether or not that has to do, he's definitely the yeah. protagonist of this movie. Well, and whether or not that has to do with anything with that clause with Toho, whether or not it has to do with that, like Kong being an ape, just he has more of an emotive face, right? So you get a lot of character with him, and you don't have to constantly have the people going. He's searching for a thing. Mm-hmm. What's yeah, he right. doing? 
oh, he wants to go home. I mean, it happens, but it's not as, like, ham-fisted as it could have been. Yeah. Well, and I, I think another another thing I was grateful for is that they did address, like, almost immediately into the movie that, like, this is not a fight that Kong would win in an, in an even bout. Right, like, yeah. Because, like, we're like, all right, let's just, you know, like, size up both of them. One of them is a giant monkey. How do monkeys win fights? You know, they win it through just raw strength. Like, you know, you just pound the thing until it stops moving. Like, Godzilla has claws and teeth and more claws and atomic breath. Did I mention it's atomic? Did I mention that <laughs> thing would melt through, apparently, the planet's crust? Yeah, <laughs> Jesus Christ! <laughs> um, like, it comes down to, like... Like, who could look at those two and say, like, yeah, this isn't even match. Like, Godzilla blows that one out of the water. So I'm happy that they addressed it, like, that they were, like, hiding uh, King Kong. And then, you know, they gave him a, a super axe that Godzilla ends up powering, which was the coolest thing in the fight with Mechagodzilla. <laughs> I love that shit. Mm-hmm. The freaking tag team. Oh, so good. Well, that, too, like, that, 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 fight, that fight at the end, there's a lot of... I want to say good filmmaking in this movie, and I know that's so crazy to say about uh, the goddamn Godzilla versus goddamn King Kong movie, but there's moments, since, since that both of them don't talk, yeah, we find out that Kong does a little bit of sign language, but he really doesn't ever use it to communicate anything to the audience. There's a moment right before their fight in Hong Kong when Godzilla, like Chris said, shoots his atomic breath to the center of the earth and in doing so, kind of destroys the throne room that Kong is in. And Kong looks at the statue of a, of a giant ape fall down and get destroyed. And then he looks to the hole and gets pissed. And I always interpreted that as, oh, my God, you, you know, you're taking this is like the one thing I've always wanted is a place where I belong. And I found it. And now you're taking that from me. And now I want to mm-hmm. beat the shit out of you. Or that part in the end of the fight when they're fighting Mechagodzilla, when he's about to laser King Kong in half Godzilla looks at the axe and like charges it up and it's like they're thinking and they don't yeah and like you said how there's no there doesn't have to be a moment where where the audience where the uh, human characters look on and say oh he's powering up Kong's axe we've seen it happen before (laughs) as an audience and the filmmakers give us enough enough kudos to know we'll know what's happening and that we know that that the giant monsters know what's happening and there's a lot of moments like that where I would I would wager it's good filmmaking yeah. using it since it's a visual medium of not. We don't need this to be high art. No, yeah, we don't need this to be high art. Just don't treat us like we're stupid. Like we know why we're here. Just give us what we fucking want. No, yeah, the movie can be big and dumb, but we don't have to be dumb. No, I love I love the mental idea of like since they use like Ghidorah's brain to like yeah play, yeah, yeah. like I love the idea of like. You know, Mechagodzilla comes out, and he's like, round two, idiot, I'm a robot. Like, uh, starts swinging at Godzilla. Um, yeah. and <laughs> they borrowed from Pacific Rim. Um, I was so happy to see because, mm-hmm. like, one of the main things I've always loved from a visual standpoint with Pacific Rim is how, you know, because they have to work out, like, all right, a giant monster is going to move its body parts with the help of giant muscles. Um, now, if we have a giant robot, 
how are we going to make that giant robot move at the same speed without being able to synthesize muscle? And it's like, well, we use fucking rockets. Like, so you see <laughs> Godzilla when he throws a punch that he's got the elbow rockets, like from Pacific Rim. Oh, I didn't even notice that. So okay. He, yeah, he throws some punches and it's with the aid of rockets to let rocket fuel, like, push it forward. And I'm like, that's, I'm like, I was so happy to see that because I'm like, to me, that's one of the greatest visual flares of Pacific Rim is like how it needs oh, a yes. rocket propulsion and it's like doing that with these like atomic punches and just bopping people and yeah, like oh. jets them forward <laughs> is it is it weird to say going back to kind of what you were saying right is it weird to say that like this movie felt like they were characterized well yeah. <laughs> like when you have like a movie like you know what I'm gonna say it Never mind. Um, I was going to bring up another Versus movie, but I'm not going to. Um, oh, jeez. <laughs> <laughs> in this specific movie that we're talking about that I don't need to dig back into other movies to talk about. Um, yeah, it felt like King Kong has always been kind of, you know, he always falls in love and, you know, has a soft spot for some human and ends up getting him killed. So you kind of have him kind of being like that in this he's got the connection with the little girl yeah um who i thought was really great in this mm-hmm. i thought yeah i was like i was like always surprised to see like, a little yeah. kid actor like doing really good work and i was there's like a, there's a part at the end when she's when she's signing to him about how he's got to fight godzilla and she's just like she's all like sad and crying and she's like wiping tears out of her face telling him to be careful i'm like oh man i'm feeling a thing in this giant monster movie oh yeah, yeah i was like oh okay no, that was great. And I, I like how she really needs to emphasize, like, Godzilla's not the bad guy here. And he's like, I don't know, man. <laughs> you see that shit? <laughs> he scratched the shit out of my upper torso. That kind of hurt. Um, But I also, it, it was funny, though, because just for your guys' knowledge, um, I watched this movie with Justin Staples, whom yeah. I have a personal, he's a friend of the pod, um, and I have a personal history with a few of these characters and a deep animosity because there's a game called Godzilla the Straw Um A classic, just great, awful game. Um, that, One of the greatest awful games ever made. Truly. And there's a character in that game named Mecha Godzilla. You might have seen him. He was in a movie recently. And that guy is a piece of shit and I hate him because uh, he was he was the most he was the most broken character that whole thing of course my friend our friend of the pod Justin Staples used it and when I saw Mechagodzilla in this movie have a bunch of rockets and layer Godzilla with it I paused the movie and just dead-eyed Justin <laughs> <laughs> yep I was like wow I just feel a rage build within a rage build within me that I just couldn't uh, couldn't fight well, it's it's funny that you bring up the rocket things too. There's a couple like images in this movie too that I swear are are intentional because there's a moment when they're fighting Mechagodzilla and he runs at Godzilla and these rocket launchers pop up on his back, and those have got to be a reference. There's a, I think it was Godzilla '94. It was like when they rebooted the the series in Japan, and that's how Mechagodzilla is designed. He's got these shoulder-mounted rockets, and I'm thinking. They got to know that that's a reference. Or there's a part when they first fight in Hong Kong where Kong takes the axe and he shoves it in Godzilla's mouth to stop the laser. And I'm thinking, 
that has to be a reference to that really popular gif where King Kong is yes. stuck, in the, stuck in the tree in King Kong's mouth. I mean, Godzilla's mouth. The, the angle they shoot when Godzilla t- bores into the earth. Well, um, that's like straight out of Shin Godzilla when Shin, Shin Godzilla turns his heat yep. up and aims it down. Oh, okay. Yep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> There's, I mean, in that same fight, he grabs Godzilla's jaw. That's like one of the first things he does is he grabs oh, his jaw yeah. and starts pulling it open. And there's when he has to go retrieve his axe, there's a shot where it cuts to Kong and he's on top of a building holding on to like the antenna. And I was yeah. like, that's just great. I'm like, <laughs> just little things like that. It doesn't, it doesn't feel like it's just fan service because you know, it, it's, they're so quick. it's happening for a reason. Yeah. yeah. And it's so quick. It's like, at the same time, it's Godzilla versus Kong. I mean, it's fan service. Who gives? Yeah, a there's fuck? there's no moment where he has to like climb a building and punch planes away, which he couldn't do yeah. because he's about the same size as the Empire State Building. Yeah, that was. But yeah, it's it's. I would say I kind of, I would like their. This is such a funny juxtaposition considering our previous conversation, but I do feel like they're like you could have had like an additional twenty minutes of this movie, just for a little bit more release the winger (laughs) i i can't there's a there's a couple moments in it i do feel needed a little more but at the same time i'm thinking that's probably intentional because like they don't they don't worry a lot about anything else aside from establishing world building and the monster fight the characters are incidental they're just there to set things up they're not bad they're just not they're not the focus of the movie this is a movie that focuses on the verses they need to be entertaining enough for me to watch um move the plot along <laughs> yeah and you got a good cast yeah. of actors so so you don't really have to worry about that you don't have to supplement that with like the greatest character backgrounds ever where they sit down and talk about yeah man i was in the war and then i came home and started a bakery but then ninjas destroyed it and now i'm mad at the world or something like that i don't need that if that was the exact thing is like these movies Casts are always pretty stacked, but I feel like, yeah, um, yeah, this and Kong. I mean, the first one not really, but like this one and the first Kong. Like the characters were all just like totally serviceable enough to just watch while the monsters weren't on screen. Yeah, yeah. that's something that King of the Monsters did didn't have for me. I felt like they were all not just really, really no. bland and no. And that, I mean, that's the same kept, problem. I they have. were getting in the way. Yeah, like that's the same problem I had with the original Godzilla, the 20, 2014 Godzilla. It's like that's why I like. Like I said, like the whole like conspiracy side angle that they took, like made the entire human plot more digestible to the point where I I could see myself watching this whole movie from start to finish again. Mm-hmm. Like, um, yeah, freaking, <laughs> I loved I loved the villains because like he's got he's got like a funny accent they have him put on like just like an evil like, <laughs> and then, like, uh, <laughs> like he's like i'm gonna destroy the world and then like i'm gonna you know humans need to be the apex predator like like oh my gosh he was such a ham-fisted villain that i loved <laughs> it like... now i don't care either way because this is godzilla vs kong and i don't give a shit but was there an explanation as to why they decided to make the Mecha Godzilla like look like Godzilla? Was there any throwaway line or anything that I missed? Nope. They or are just, we just at that point? It's because it's because us as monster nerds know Mecha Godzilla exists. That's why. I just love. They could have. They could have made it a tank. They could have made it a plane. They wouldn't have to have had to deal with the whole problem of a, being a bipedal robot which are famously very hard to make. 
<laughs> but nah, they just made it a giant robot with a tail with well, spikes. Which I'm, I, I was talking with Alex, uh, our brother and another friend of the pod, about how the design he has teeth, he has nostrils. Yeah, the design process of Godzilla, where they're like, okay, this giant robot designed to fight monsters looks pretty cool. Uh, can we give it like spikes on the back of it? <laughs> Fred, what are you talking about? We don't need spikes in the back of it. Yeah, but I'm, I just think that if we had spikes to its back, it'll add some flair. Like, go, you know, God damn it, Frank, or Fred, or whoever I name this character. The fact that we gave this giant robot spikes is the reason why our office doesn't have fucking toilet paper for the next year, you asshole. It's like, it's so yeah. meaningless. Well, but it, one of the funniest things for me, like, a moment I genuinely, because, like, this is when I kind of knew that, like, we we didn't care about anything else other than getting our big robot, our big monster fight was they take the sample from the planet's <laughs> core and then they just zoop it up. <laughs> like, they upload it to the internet. Exactly. I'm going to upload an energy source to the internet. Oh my god. And we're going to download it up hey, let me Let me email this rock to you. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. And it's just like, and it just works. We don't get any sort of like reason for why it works. We just have to accept the fact that this upload works. And I, I, I actually missed that because like i had to like think back like wait did they send the sample up and normally that's a, a plot element so fucking stupid that it to me would like cripple a different movie but is there's movies that go for a tone man where uh, it's like it doesn't matter we the, the the science in this just works or it doesn't bother me and this is one of them because we've already had they've they made a giant robot that's controlled controlled through psychic powers We've got a giant gorilla kingdom at the center of the earth. Sure, they can just upload energy via the internet with the most amazing Wi-Fi signal ever. It's at the center of the earth. Oh, because they also use that 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 sci-fi movie bullshit shorthand of energy signature, which kind of makes me think they just have like a file of oh, we we need to use energy for Mechagodzilla, but we're not sure which one. Oh, this is the one that will power the Mecha Godzilla, and they just pull it off a shelf and stick it in there. <laughs> yep. Oh. <laughs> like they're not trying to DNA. Like they're not looking for like a DNA sequence. That is something that you could just upload. It's literally power. It's like trying to like, hey, bro, bro, I, I'm out of batteries for my Xbox controller. Cool. Let me just text you some. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. And didn't the psychic like connection between the guy and um, Mechagodzilla didn't get fried? Yeah, he... So that actually didn't end up addering it at all? Oh, yeah. <laughs> it doesn't actually, yeah. Well, I think it's like it's too powerful, which also is dumb because like they don't actually have it. Well, I love just the visual of like Mechagodzilla. <laughs> <laughs> Like, <laughs> you can just stop right there. Like, how on earth? I just love the fact that, like, Godzilla's like, all right, I sense Godzilla, and I need the shortest possible route to him. And he literally just gores through, like, a, a mountain. Like, he comes yeah. out of, like, of, like, a thick-ass mountain. Just fly, hands, hands, like, hands racked. He's like, let's go, boy, run them hands up. Like, he just starts throwing bows at Godzilla. Like, just the visual of him blowing out of the mountain was like was worth the price of admission if that was the only thing I got because oh, that was awesome. Right. <laughs> but it's like the whole thing seems so calculated, but like in a, in in a real earnest way. 
Yeah. Like, in a way that's not, like, disingenuous, where it's like, you have the first fight, Godzilla wins the first fight, you got a second fight, Kong kind of wins the second fight, then you have third fight, gotta team up and fight something else. Where they literally do, like, a goddamn, like, like pro wrestling move on where they both <laughs> grab him by the arms and run yep. through buildings. I was half hoping that like Godzilla would do like a suplex over his back of Mechagodzilla and then Godzilla comes up and gives him like a DDT over the shoulder or something like that. Oh. And then I they would... high five. Yeah, the only the only thing that was like and obviously they do kind of team up for like the takedown, but I did kind of hope the takedown was gonna involve like both of them. Like, what if like Kong is giving him like a clothesline Godzilla like trips Mechagodzilla and then they both grab by his arms <laughs> and legs and like pull and like And then know? Godzilla grabs his pants and pulls his pants on and everybody sees his wiener and then he goes to cover his big robo wiener <laughs> and that's when Godzilla hits him in the face and like he keeps hitting him over and over again in the face and he gets like a like a like a cartoony blue eye and his teeth are all fucked up and he's got little robo birds going around his head. And then freaking freaking Godzilla puts his hands together to like do that. Uh freaking King Kong jumps into him, <laughs> Godzilla lifts him into the air, and King Kong comes down with the people's elbow on like Mecha Godzilla. Like, <laughs> <laughs> shit like that would be dope. Oh, it'd be so dope. Like if they I had like it. some giant like we put up this giant fence to keep them encased inside of Hong Kong and like Godzilla like gets up on top of the fence and like flushes his <laughs> muscles <laughs> Kong grabs Kong grabs Godzilla by the tail spins him around and throws him into Mechagodzilla as a, as a spear to just like spin <laughs> oh. Dave Mothra I'm sorry guys I'm yeah. sorry <laughs> I mean, that's kind of, I like it because that's kind of the whole reason why they fight is kind of over in misunderstanding. Yeah. <laughs> so it's, uh, cause they can't, they can't, they can't just talk. They, unlike Batman and Superman, they can't just talk. So their only <laughs> no, way just, to communicate is just violence. like Batman and Superman. <laughs> <laughs> okay. My bad. In, in, in I, I love version. how a giant monkey and a giant <laughs> lizard probably would have been able to sort this out quicker with their limited forms of communication than the world's greatest detective and you know man of the people good-natured superman did yeah i'm sorry yeah you're you're four for four on references there champ i'm sorry you know sometimes it's just easy to build something up by tearing something down and it's the easiest (laughs) thing to tear down now you mentioned at the beginning of this about the possibility of the future of the MonsterVerse. Like, do you do? Would you guys want more out of this series? And what would if you they're like think? this, fuck yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So this would either be to me the perfect way to end it, where we finally got there. Because um, it'd be cool. Because it'd be cool if like these are the only movies we get. It's a nice little experiment, a nice little series, and we're done. Um, but yes, it's if... like what? What else do you build up to? No, like this was the build up. <laughs> I was about to say Mechagodora. Let's go. Fuck it. Why not? And then and then Godzilla just runs over to like a nuclear plant and like eats a nuke. And he's like, "You fool! I'm doing the same thing." And Ghidorah's like, "Yeah, right, idiot." And then he like can like survive the nuclear explosion. He's like, "Kong, I need you." He like high they high five each other, like tag in. They makes like the like Donkey Kong Country. They start throwing bows <laughs> like. Well, because there are places, because since we've established, since this this movie has kind of set a tone of complete irreverence for groundedness, seriousness, and collateral damage, I feel like you can they can do, 
I forget, Carl, you may know, I forget the different eras of Godzilla, but like the era of Godzilla movies where they were the silly monster of the week type ones with Ghidorah, with Gigan and everything. Yeah, I, I want to say that's still like just the Toho era, right? Okay. I don't know. I don't know yeah. for sure. But like that, I'm like, not super could, up on that stuff, but we could do that in this series now that they've established a, a, like a precedent of this is the tone that they can achieve and want to do. And that, it turned out really well. I was amazed when I got on when reviews for this started coming out and how well received it is. I thought for sure something this hokey and dumb, people were gonna perceive, oh, it's it's so dumb and stupid and it's boring. But I'm I'm really happy that people are are responding well to this. It makes me feel good that 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 it's something that's really resonated with people on a level that I haven't seen since like WandaVision, which I think is super cool. Uh, just everybody I mean, being like, yeah, I enjoyed the hell out of this. Look, it's been a hell of a year. We haven't really yeah. had a crowd-pleasing blockbuster in like two years. Yeah, not since Endgame, really. Yeah, like Tenet doesn't count. And like all these movies where it's just like, they keep getting pushed back. We haven't had something like this in so long. And I think being able to just watch something like this, that's like not, you know, it's not going to change your world, but it's it's not pandering it doesn't like and even something down like down to you like even something like uh, endgame to a certain extent is like kind of a downer because it's like the end of an era you know, yeah you a lot of characters but this is just this is, it makes you feel like feel like you're a little kid yeah it's distilled entertainment so like it's all yeah. it knows exactly yeah. what it's aiming for which is just like how do i make this whole how do i make you have fun the entire time um comfortable giving this movie the coveted title of the film that we need right now yeah this to me for, <laughs> me for 2021 this kind of feels like what animal crossing and doom eternal was for last year which is kind yeah. of cool came out around the same time yeah and i i i, I think it's great and i'm like i said I'm, I'm happy people are responding well to it because like you said we need a movie like this because this kind of stuff matters like escapism really really matters and you can have escapism without it being m more like intellectual and I, I know we keep saying things like that and i don't want to sound shitty because i'm not saying like this is like a dumb movie like it's made by dumb people but it's a silly movie it's, it's something like the old the older godzilla films even though i would say it's actually much better made not just from a special effects era a special effects angle but from a character stuff and people stuff and things no, a lot like of those that. old it, ones are real boring nowadays they're real boring until you get the guys in the suits yeah mm. and no, this is not boring like there's there's nothing oh. in this movie i would trade and there's not a moment oh i just want to get to the monster fudge yeah but like i'm okay with this because the, the the human stuff is super funny like that guy bernie i don't know who that actor is the guy that plays bernie but i fucking love him because he does a lot in this movie is he, he the conspiracy guy yes he because he's he's he's, he's from um he's from Atlanta. You ever oh, watched that Atlanta? No, oh, I've not, but so I heard I heard about it. Oh, it's but great. He, he's like he's sporadic and goofy, but he's also genuinely funny. But he's got a, a couple of nice little heartfelt moments, and I love the part when he's screaming at. Yeah. Uh, I can't remember the actor's name. I'm just gonna call him Russell when he's yelling at <laughs> Russell at the end of the movie, where he's like, like, not only do I gotta die with you guys, I gotta die sober. And I lost my shit. <laughs> well, I love how they solved the whole problem just by, like, let's just break it. Let's just pour some. <laughs> <laughs> like, 
Like, oh, but hey, I know I was, I was I was waiting for the moment where he would like crack his fingers and say I'm in, but no, yeah. just like he has no idea what the no, fuck. he literally tells him in that scene to go to settings to try and figure yeah. out how to stop it. Very, it's very almost good. yeah, but it's like that that kind of says to me it's like the people who made this movie were like, well, these types of scenes have to happen because we have to have you know this stupid human plot to move things forward and we can't spend a billion dollars on this movie animating a monkey and a lizard for the entire runtime so it's like just just make it dumb and funny yeah just and not in a super like cheeky like look at us we're being so meta about it just you know and i like because it reminded me a lot when we were talking about the the color palette and the way it looked it reminds me a lot of pacific rim i think pacific rim's got a little more going on to it because it's about a half an hour longer i think the it's got, it's more of a character-driven movie than this is, uh, but I'm glad that we've got this, and, and I always want to say specific rim, I'm glad that we have these two movies, because going forward, I hope we get more giant monster movies like this, because 10 years ago, we could not do this. We could never do this kind of thing with characters interacting with creatures on this size, with monsters <laughs> rendered this size in these cities like this. We just didn't have the abilities through processing power to do that but now we can and i I don't want to say it's easy but it's easier it's something that you could make just as simple as any other effects driven movie because we've advanced Mm -hmm. far and i would love to have more of these types of movies yeah there's a potential for us to get a burnout but we we, we've heard the the alleged burnout of the superhero genre for 15 years and we ain't there yet so i would love going forward if we had more monster movies like this especially with characters that we know like godzilla um, I don't know how you would do a sequel to King Kong because this is unchecked territory having a sequel to a King Kong movie because King Kong's fate, like Gwen Stacy, is always to die. And the fact that we have Godzilla yeah. in two movies <laughs> who's the same character is wild. So I think it'd be really cool if they got back the old crew from the other, from Kong Skull Island and like did a sequel set maybe like during like the Cold War or something like that. You bring in Mighty Joe Young. Oh my God! Yeah, that's the sequel. He's he's like his little brother, and he's got to like raise him. He's oh, like his. Oh my uh, God! You bring what? in, you bring in Godzuki and Mighty Joe Young, and you have a dad movie. Yeah, it's oh, like it's oh. like it's like Super Sons. It's like the Superman yeah. Batman Super Sons comic. Whoa! Oh give it to me, Hollywood. You hear this? You can have our idea. We just want oh, our check. There's one thing earlier I wanted to bring up, and it's kind of unrelated to this, but it's it's. There's a character in this. It's the dude that controls Mechagodzilla, Ren Shirazawa. Okay, he's supposed to be Ken Watanabe's character's son. Do they ever oh, no mention shit. that? They never mention that. I thought the Shirazawa, the you know, his last name is, is Shirazawa. I thought it was just a reference to the original Godzilla movie, like Ken Watanabe's character was. But no, he's supposed to be his kid. But they never really bring it up, and that's what I meant by I feel like there's a half an hour left of this movie that they could possibly plug back in because I that kind of thing I feel like probably ended up on the cutting room mm. floor and it's not meaningless I feel like that's a big thing to, yeah. to leave out all right, all right. because that that creates an interesting character dynamic well, of like why how, why did how long right, was this two hours it's 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 two hours on the dot okay all right yeah. so he, here's how we here's how we add that all right we get another movie not feel like it we get another movie all right my man's uh Shirazawa's <clears throat> son you know, for this movie, he was obviously vengeful at Godzilla for, like, you know, losing his dad and whatnot. Um, so then in the next movie, though, he survives this whole thing, all right? He survives the bajillion volts of electricity. Why? I don't care. 
Um, and then he, uh, he's like, you know what? I had the wrong, I had the wrong outlook on these guys, on these things. Like these guys are protectors. You know, my father gave his life to like keep this protector going to save against Ghidorah. Yeah. So he's like, I'm going to make a mech to save him. Jet Jaguar. Oh my God. (laughs) (laughs) Tell me it wouldn't be the tightest thing. That, uh, that also, that can exist in our father son movie because he needs a surrogate father figure. Godzilla sounds like the right guy. Oh, man. Yeah, so yeah. I think Surrogate father Godzilla. I think there's tons of potential for this franchise going forward. Like I said, if they don't, I think it'd be cool that in in an era where so many shared universe franchises have crashed and burn right out of the gate, save for Marvel, the fact that they they pulled this off by being very, I don't want to say humble about it, but being very just chill about it. (laughs) You got two movies, mm-hmm. you got two series, three movies. They all kind of existed in their own thing. But then you brought them together for a big monster fight, and it totally worked. It, even though I don't necessarily like the Godzilla movies, they're not, like, it wasn't, <laughs> it's not, <laughs> you can you can enjoy this one without having seen any, so it's fine. Yeah. 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 Was, Best movie ever. Right. I it really it. was. Yeah. <laughs> I might watch it again today. I've already watched it twice, so I might watch it again today. Yeah, no, it's it's like one of those movies where it's like if I'm ever feeling down, it's gonna be pop it on and a blam. Yeah. Um but yeah, it was great. I really enjoyed it. It was a lot of fun. Mm. Do we wanna do some recommendations? Yeah, I, I just got a small one. So in the past couple months I've been getting really into fighting games because as a kid I always liked them, but I was never any good at them because I didn't have time to practice them. So I've been playing a handful of them. Your Street Fighters, your Mortal Kombat's, but one that I've been playing a lot was the new Killer Instinct. I say new, but it came out like six years ago, and I never touched it because it had kind of a um, <clears throat> kind of a weird history. Because when information came out about it, it was advertised by a lot of gaming outlets, uh, gaming journalists, place as being like a free to play game, and people are, are always kind of weirded out by that phrase. But that's not exactly what it was. It was free. And then you could either pay for like a season pass or pay for individual characters, depending on how, how you want to do it. And a lot of that had to do with the, the troubled production. If you want a really great video about it, Matt McMuscles has a video about the production of it and how that game overcame insane hurdles to be what a lot of fighting game people think is one of the best fighting games of the past like 20 years. Um, and I'm just I'm really digging it because it's really easy to get into, but it also feels very old school because it's not. It's it's doesn't work super fast like an Arc Systems game, but it's very combo based and not like in the way when you think of like hitting up, down, left, right, left, right, ABX, up, down to do combos. There's a really interesting combo system. And then you introduce like the, the combo breaker system, which that's where that, that 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 combo breaker thing that's all over the Internet comes from is from the series. And it's it's almost like, oh, really? Yeah, no shit. And it creates a really fun back and forth because like you'll start doing a combo and then it's like a rock, paper, scissors thing to try and break the combo. And you just end up with these really dynamic, fun fights that even if you're not good at the game, you can still engage in it. Cause there's so many fighting games, like the older street fighters and even the modern ones that if you don't know what you're doing and you get online, you're done. There's nothing you can do, but this one has a very good learning curve to it. It has a great, great tutorial that runs over everything from chip damage to frame data to more basic stuff like special moves. Um, and it's just, yeah, it's really, really fun. And it, it sucks because I don't think we're going to have another one ever possibly because the team that made this one is owned by Amazon now. 
and the rights to the series are owned by Microsoft because they own Rare. But it's just, yeah, it's a if, if anybody's interested in getting in fighting games, this is a really good introduction. If you want something that's a little more complicated than like a Dragon Ball Fighter Z, uh, yeah, it's great. I'm having a ton of fun with it. Chris, you got anything? Don't play Cyberpunk. <laughs> Still, the ne- the negative version of uh, the 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 not recommendation. Yeah, Cyberpunk. Like obviously, other people have spoken ad nauseum about this game, but it's just like bugs aside, everything aside. There's a lot of foundational things. The first person on it like sucks ass. Oh really? Yeah, like it, it's like I'm going from playing like Doom Eternal and like Destiny which are, like, very tight first-person shooters where I don't feel like my perspective is in the way of them to playing Mm. this, where I'm literally getting caught on every piece of, like, anything (laughs) that's possible. Like, just don't play it. Just, they got their money already. You don't need to feel like they're starving artists. They made, like, a a bajillion dollars. Yeah, Uh, no, it's, uh, yeah, the, 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 the programmers got compensated, but, uh, but <laughs> CD Projekt Red don't deserve yeah, let, your money. Let it, let it, let it, let it go. Don't, don't play it. I want to recommend something. I don't know if you guys have heard of this, but I watched it actually like a couple months ago. But I watched it again the other day. It's called In and of Itself. Have you guys heard of this? No. no. It's on Hulu. Okay. It's it's really really hard to explain. I don't <laughs> really want to explain it. It's a piece of performance art essentially, but like the good kind. Um, it's by this guy named Derek Delgadio, Delgadio, something like Italian sounding. And it's, it's a filmed version of this, you know, this performance art he put on. Um, it's directed by Frank Oz, which I didn't know until the end of it. Yeah. doesn't really add up much in the show, but, um, sure. It's, it's interesting because the way that the show is told, it actually, I get the sense that it actually is more beneficial to watch this filmed version of it. it. It's hard to explain without spoiling it. I don't want to spoil it, but the way that the show kind of, there's like some, there's some elements to the show that basically would require multiple viewings and because, or like most multiple like um, attendances at the show and seeing it in kind of a recorded version, kind of like you get the whole picture of it. It's really hard to explain without, kind of going into it but it's really really fascinating it's really touching and really thought-provoking and it's it's not like super heady and out there it's got very universal themes what it's trying to say but i think you guys would really really enjoy it it's really really good so you said it's like performance art is is it just him performing is it's a one-man show okay it's not a story it's not a story it's you, you you'll get into the vibe of it but it's i mean it's it's funny it's really sad it's really insightful it's just it's it it makes you makes you think when it's over it, it leaves you with a really interesting kind of uh, melancholy joyful mood that you don't get from a lot of stuff and okay you know. so i'm looking at things so he's got the 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 one they have on hulu it's 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 a film version of one of his live performances right yeah Okay, it, but it's it's also spliced together with a couple other before you'll you'll get it once you watch it how they do it. But it's it's really really good. It's only like an hour and a half. It's not very long. Okay, but yeah, it's it's if you guys are looking for something just like totally different from what's you know it's it's awesome. It's really really good. 
but that oh. yeah that's my main recommendation um my other recommendation i just saw got put up is that um andrew led weber's youtube channel they uploaded the um jesus christ superstar performance um that they did after they did that like search for the new jesus thing i didn't know they uploaded when, that performance when were they doing that when did they do that As, it was a while ago okay and they they put it up last year because he was uploading um all of his shows, you know, while the pandemic was first hitting to give people something to watch. And it's a really, really good performance of Jesus Christ Superstar. So if anybody's is into that shit. Is it like a live performance or do they do it kind of like the cat? Yeah, it's a live performance. Okay. No, it's a live performance. And it's, but it's, it has that kind of like modern aesthetic to it. Like Jesus is like, he's not wearing like the white robes and everything. He's right. got like a dress shirt on. Like, oh, okay. When um when pilots introduced, he's like going for a jog in like a tracksuit. <laughs> like it's yeah, it's, it. it's it's like it's cool, like the way that yeah. they do it. Um, I know people have complicated thoughts on the show. I right. think the music slaps like a motherfucker. But oh yes, definitely. Um, yeah, that just got uploaded. I just saw on my phone, so that's up again. So that's worth watching, especially now because it's uh tomorrow's Easter. So oh, perfect. You can watch Jesus die and then go to church tomorrow and hear about him coming back. Because he does not in the show. <laughs> but okay, I think that's a wrap. Yeah. Well, uh, we'll think of a topic for next episode if we can think of something. Do you guys have anything off the top of your heads that you want to do? You mentioned a while ago about talking about the Legend of Zelda series, and I don't think, I don't think Ooh. any of them, I don't think any of them are coming out because I know Breath of the Wild well, two was pushed back. This this is the thirty fifth anniversary year of. Uh, Zelda. Do we just want to like talk about Zelda and like see where that goes into like yeah. the larger discussion about like I mean that that's there are so many rabbit holes we can go through from there. Yeah, absolutely. I'm I'm all let's do that then. That. Yeah, I'd be cool with that. Okay. Yeah, well, let's do that then. Let's just like aim for like just like do like a chat about Zelda and Nintendo and I mean that we, we'll we'll be able to talk a while for that. We should probably say good night to the podcast since we never said no. I was like, I, oh yeah. Good night, Moon. That would be such a funny fucking edit.